0: Good morning everyone, and welcome to episode 222 of the Ask the Coach Show, where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. It's Throwback Thursday, and we'll be looking at our pre-point routine masterclass. In the questions, we'll discuss teaching someone who uses the opposite hand to you, how to stop a killer backhand, and whether a flick can replace the loop. I'm Jeff Plump, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey, and another good morning to all of you. Yes, absolutely. And show 222. Now, for those Australians, they would uh, remember that uh, Richie Benno famously used to say two in a funny way. You have any good impersonations of Richie Benno, Alois?
1: Uh, No, uh, two, 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 no, I don't.
0: (laughs) Two for two hundred twenty-two. No, we're both pretty bad at it. (laughs) Oh dear, that's that's better than that. Yeah, (laughs) excellent. Anyway, Alois, what happened on the eleventh of February in history?
1: Ah, indeed, a uh, famous day because I'm just here. Um, He was born. Who was 18- born?
0: You're just cutting out a little bit here.
1: Internet issues. Oh, no. Thomas Edison. Ever heard of him? I have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was born in 1847. And um, like I think he had the most patents or something like that. A prolific inventor, um, but uh, probably most famous for, let me think. Ah, yes, the electric light bulb.
0: Indeed. Very good. There you go. So... Maybe if you maybe today people are going to come up with something really innovative.
1: Absolutely, and yes, let's see if Thomas Edison can inspire us.
0: Absolutely. Now, yesterday we asked people, "What are your ideal playing conditions?" What did people say?
1: Yeah, there were a few people. Not
0: not a huge
1: response, but yes, a few people. But um, some good ones. So um, Jonathan said. A good table and net, plenty of room, nice weather or inside with an AC. Mm-hmm. Um, Eugene, somewhere where it's cooling, but not windy. Yeah, definitely no wind, can't have wind. Uh, the wind effect will affect the toss and might lead the ball to be blown away. Uh, good tables, nets and floors. Um, Trevor Hurth said low humidity, taraflex and high Lux. So uh, I think the low humidity would have come after uh, his stint in Fiji and appreciating where, uh, there is low humidity. Um, and Billu said the very first thing is the floor. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Then the tables and the nets, big hall, no humidity, um, to put the cherry on the top where I find a good opponent to play with. And, uh, Glenn O'Day said anywhere there's a table.
0: There you go. Very, very good. Um, that's uh, that's interesting, Alice. Uh, a few references to humidity. It can be really tough playing in humid conditions. Firstly, you know you just get really hot, and but then also the ball kind of can get a bit wet and sometimes doesn't grip to the bat, and that can be really frustrating.
1: Yeah, yeah I think the main thing is just that um, that gripping factor. Um, so when when the rubber gets a little bit moist, then you know if the ball hits it it tends to drop off and you end up with big blobs of uh, water on your bat so really frustrating playing Um, I don't know how you know some of the players in the Pacific countries do it they just seem to soldier on through it I guess they're just used to it but um, I know uh, you know some of us uh, when we go over there to to play um, really struggle with that sort of uh, those sort of conditions
0: absolutely all right so today's question is what gets you frustrated on the table? So uh, head over to our Facebook page or to the blog at PingSkills.com and answer the PingSkills question of the day. What gets you frustrated on the table? I think we're going to have some interesting uh, responses to that one, Alice. Oh, yeah. I hope <laughs> so. Indeed. All right. Well, as I mentioned at the start of the show, it is Throwback Thursday. What are we going to go back and take a look at today?
1: Yeah, we uh, we did mention this briefly the other day, um, and that's the pre-point routine. Um, so we've got a, a really good video on the pre-point routine. So what is a pre-point routine? So basically it's um, something that you develop that you um, do before every single point. So um, for me, I used to bounce the ball on the table. Um, then I used to... Uh, Put the ball in my hand. Look at the ball. Uh, think about the tactic of what I'm, where I'm going to serve, um, and then off you go. Um, so before that, though, before the um, the bouncing on the table, you know, when you go and get the ball, you can also develop a routine of what of what you do. So while you're walking around, uh, you know, you can take some nice deep breaths. You might use that time to think about the tactic that you're going to use for the next point. But what that does Um, is it gets you familiar or or in a familiar situation each for each point so when you're um, in a stressful situation you fall back to that pre-point routine that you know your body's going through something that it knows really well and so it starts to feel a bit more comfortable if you're doing something different then um that's when you start to um, get a little bit more stressed. So by going to going back to something familiar, something your body knows really well, um, it tends to calm down and tends to uh, be a little bit more
0: relaxed. Mm, interesting. So if this is to deal with those stressful situations, can we just, you know, not worry about it most of the time and just kind of bring it out when we're getting a bit stressed?
1: Um you can, but I think ideally you want to be doing that all the time. So the more times you do it, the more times you're practicing it, um, the better you get at it. And as I said, it becomes a familiar situation. If if you're only using it when you're stressed, then it's not a familiar situation. Um, and you also need to be using it in your training uh, time as well, because that's a great time to be practicing your pre-point routine
0: excellent all right so if this is all new to you and you haven't heard about a pre-point routine try um a simple one and start using it a lot and um see if it helps you especially when you get to tight situations in games now obviously alloys you know table tennis is a fast game this pre-point routine can't be too long otherwise your opponent's going to get pretty annoyed if you're you know standing there a minute before every point
1: absolutely like um The rules say that, you know, play needs to be continuous. So you don't have um, a minute. You've probably got 10 or 15 seconds at most. Um, But it's surprising the things that you can fit into your 10 or 15 seconds. Um, You know, you can definitely take a breath. Uh, You can definitely process some thoughts. Um, And you can, you know, bounce the ball a couple of times on the table as well. So, um, yeah, just... uh, have a have a go at it and see if you can develop something. Um, you know, some players' pre-point routine is they go up and wipe their hand on the table near the net. You know, like it's it's a guy's, You know that um, they're wiping the sweat off their hand, but that is often part of a player's pre-point routine.
0: Yeah, certainly, and you do see that a lot now. Allies, a quick ad for the Ping Skills Premium Membership. Um, we've got a whole series of masterclasses, this pre-point routine video is one of them and it is, all those masterclasses are associated with the 52 week training plan which is 52 individual lessons designed to help you improve over the year, uh, each four week period covers a different topic, uh, this is part of the tournament preparation, a uh, bunch of videos, um, so Go to pinkseals.com, check out our premium membership. It can definitely help you improve your game. All right. On with the show now, Alois. Now, we missed the Chinese New Year a little bit here, Alois.
1: I know. We sort of kept thinking about it and then, yes, but happy Chinese New Year to uh, to everyone out there. Um, it was on the 8th of uh, February. So, I uh, I I should have researched this, but does Chinese New Year fall on a new moon or is it because the moon looks pretty small at the moment?
0: Mm, That's a good question. Um, Or is it a new moon in, because it's all over the year, you can't have a full moon in everywhere, can you? No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever the, yeah. Yeah. The moon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The moon's the same everywhere.
0: Okay. Okay. I think. There you go. Um, so I don't know what is the Chinese New Year. If anyone knows, let us give someone us... knows. Like someone, someone knows. knows. Tell us. Google will know as well. Um, Google, but yeah. interesting. All right. Well, yeah. Happy Chinese New Year, everybody. All right. Let's get into the questions, Alois. And there's a number of ways you can get your question on the show. You can. Ask a great question on the PingSkills website using the Ask the Coach section. Um, and also, you can jump on live on the show. You just need to go to our Google Plus page, which you can find at the bottom of the seals website. Click on the latest show and click on the Q&A button. And Spam20 has done that. And he says, what should I do when the ball gets almost under the table? For example, if the ball goes really long and low and it has some backspin on it, it might get almost under the table. But when I try to hit it up, I end up hitting the table or nothing at all.
1: Uh, Yeah, Uh, it can be a really tricky shot, but it's one that um, you can practice a lot. So the ball, what, what you're talking about there is the ball that just drops off the end of the table. So you've got the table in the way, it's down low. And what you need to do from that situation is you need to brush the ball up, almost vertically, so you're getting lots of topspin on the ball and you're getting the ball up and over the edge of the table. So um, so that's the, that's the critical part. You need that lifting contact, so brushing it up really vertically with lots of topspin, get it up past the edge of the table, over the net, and then it'll drop down um, quickly after it uh, goes past the net. Um, a really effective stroke, you know, and you could almost... Um, start to utilise it um, more and more. It's basically a slow spinny topspin, but the positioning of the ball um, makes it a little bit awkward and and tricky to get it up past the end of the table. We do have um, an answer to uh, an Ask the Coach question, a video answer that we've uh, filmed. So we'll put a link there for you to have a look at that. Uh, And I think that'll explain it really well for you and show you uh, how to do that stroke.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Great question, Spam20. Next up is one from Victory, also known as Brocky. He says, my smashes always give me points. Many players at school have a lot of problem blocking my smashes because I have big arms and strong and fast and hard strokes. I am the only one with this type of muscle mass in the room. So... Brocky wants to know, does arm strength affect smash power?
1: Um, marginally, but more of your power comes from your legs and your core and your twisting and also from your timing. So um, I've seen, you know, really skinny kids being able to generate a lot of power because their, uh, their timing's good, their, uh, their action's good, their technique's good and they're also utilising their legs well. So yeah, most of your power comes from your legs, not really from here.
0: Mm, interesting. And I guess if you look at the top players, you see that they've all got really strong legs. Um, but, I mean, not not in terms of they don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, but they do have really strong legs. I don't know. Have you seen Mar legs? I reckon Arnie would be happy with them. <laughs> you reckon? maybe i mean they are impressive that's for sure but i don't think you want to go to that bodybuilding length for table tennis
1: no you don't need to no that's right you it's more about efficiency and and um and power that you're able to generate so you need a base of really good strength there to then be able to generate that power
0: excellent good question victor all right next one is from il and il asks if I have or he says, I have one child who plays left-handed, but Ill is a right-hander. So he wants to know how can he teach this child to play? Are there any method which makes it easier to teach a left-handed child because he wants the kid to be able to imitate him more easily?
1: Yeah, it can be a little bit tricky. Some some players um, can translate that really easily and some players can't. So I find this... A bit because I'm left-handed, and I teach a lot of right-handers. Obviously, um, you know some right-handers, and in fact, most right-handers just are able to relate to what I'm doing. Um, sometimes you might need to stand them next to you, or sometimes you stand them in front of you. So then that really acts as a mirror. So so if I'm standing there playing with my left hand, um, and they're playing with their right hand, it's basically a mirror image. Um, the other thing that uh, I think one of our pin skillers came up with was watching our videos in a mirror. So um, I can't remember who it was now, Jeff, but um, one of our one of our ping skillers, when I was doing some demonstrations with my left hand, uh, was able to um, relate much better when they watched the video in the mirror and basically saw me playing right-handed.
0: Mm, very interesting. I guess... Um yeah, different brains process things different ways. Um, yeah, I like that idea of standing in front because that is a, a is a mirror. Um, but I guess you could also, yeah, try different things. Great question. Um, and as you said, Alice, you you encounter this all the time.
1: Yeah, I do. And um, and as I said, most of the time it, it isn't an issue. And so um, it'll just, I mean, see with the with the young player that you're working with. Um, firstly, just you demonstrate to them with your right hand and and just see if they translate that um, well. Often left-handers will uh, because um, they're used to the right-handers world and they need to translate things um, um, often, you know, like cutting scissors and all that sort of stuff.
0: There you go. It is a right-handers world. All right. Moving on. This, again, Alois, is a very good question. I know so because Jeffrey asked it. Jeffrey oh, says... Oh, well. Oh, well. Geoffrey <laughs> says... My friend has a really nice and consistent serve and tends to get most winning points off me with his backhand flick or smash on the third or fifth ball. Is there any strategic or technical way I can prevent or counter this strong backhand?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the first thought is stay away from the backhand. So the first thought is to push that ball or put that ball more into the forehand um, side of your opponent. Um, if they've got that stronger backhand. But there's, it's interesting, often in that situation, there is a point or a speed or a different type of spin that you can also do to their backhand side that will throw them out. So um, I remember playing a player once that, um, you know, had a really strong backhand and it was, I think it was a fairly important tournament and I, you know, had time to think about it. So the draw was out um, a week before and I had a bit of time to think about it. And what I uh, did was instead of just pushing the ball long um, and slow to the backhand, I just really went in there and I pushed it a little bit faster and a little bit heavier um, into the backhand and that came up with some good results. So it might seem like they got a good backhand, but if you break it down in some way with extra speed, extra spin, or playing it shorter, then um, that could be really effective as well. So, yeah, um, you need to explore some tactics against that player. You know, what um, speed do they like or not like? What direction do they like or not like as well?
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting topic, tactics, isn't it? And, um, Jeffrey, make sure you use the Ping Skills Vault to record your tactics. Um, then you can go back and, and read about it before you play the next time. Um, but yeah, I think your first point, Alloys, is an important one too. Maybe just stay away from the backhand. A lot of people are scared to go to people's forehands, but if their backhand's stronger, play more balls to the forehand. It, it, just, it makes sense, even though you might feel scared because you always think the forehand's better. So yeah, try the forehand a lot and then as Alois said, yeah, try different things, different speed, different spin, different placement. It doesn't take much to um, change the aspect of the game and, you know, things might turn into your favour.
1: Yeah, I, was actually, I actually saw it yesterday in a, in a schools match. Um, it was a kid who had an incredible um, was using a hard bat and had an incredible um, smash um, off anything. Like, you know, the one one of the Kids was, you know, playing with um, um, with some spin and, you know, just and even just hitting to to this kid. And he was just there going crack, crack. Like must have been must have been a really good tennis players, my my guess. But uh, by just being able to change up a little bit, um, you know, with adding a bit more spin, slowing the ball down, just changing up something, um, the whole game changed. You know, so instead of being 11-2s, um, the game became really competitive after that.
0: Ah, very good. There you go. So, yeah, don't give up. Always think about your tactics. And, um, yeah, the more you do that, the better you're going to get at, at working out what works for you and how to defeat an opponent. All right. Next up is a question from Hatem who says, I like the backhand flick and I'm much more comfortable with it than the backhand loop, although he's still practicing the backhand loop. Um, but especially against short and even medium or long serves. So Adam's wondering, can I use the backhand flick for an all offensive game instead of the loop?
1: Yeah. So um, if you think about the flick, the flick is basically just a shorter version of the top spin or the loop. So it's this uh, compared to this. So it depends on how much time you have, but if the ball's longer, then... You just need to extend your flick. So instead of this, it just becomes a bigger flick. So if you start to think of it that way, um, it might be, become a little bit easier for you. Um, if you're only playing the ball with that sort of motion, you're not going to generate the amount of power and speed that you can, that that you have the potential to generate. So um, yeah, definitely, had him just start to think about ex- extending that stroke. That's all. Don't think about it as this is my flick and this is my top spin and this is my loop they're just all extensions of each other just make the stroke bigger same stroke make it bigger
0: yeah absolutely um, makes a lot of sense you just keep developing it um, you're not I've never seen any really good players just using a real small flick they do kind of extend it out so as Alo said um, and we discussed this in a recent show, a lot of people seem to think the backhand loop's harder, but it may just be that they don't practice it as much as their forehand. So you're hitting a lot more balls with your forehand, so it seems easier. So, yeah, I mean, good to see you are still working on it, Adam. So keep up with that, and I think it's important to, uh, to develop it. Excellent. Now, just before we go, Alloys uh, Victor has got a couple of more questions. He says that I, he heard I met Waldner years ago. Um, he, I mean, he came. I've been in some tournaments within the Australian Open and at the Olympics, but I never really met him personally, and I haven't actually played him. Did you ever play Waldner, Aloys? No, I
1: never had that opportunity. Yeah, would have loved to, but yes, only had the had the privilege of uh, watching him uh, a, a few times.
0: Indeed, there you go. And he's also asking about the legend tours. I don't know much about the legend tours. We might have to search that up for the next show, Alois. Yeah, you know they, they um, to play. Yeah, they just
1: had they just had um, one of the legends tours recently, and uh, Jorgen beat Waldy in the final. Um, so there is there is some footage of that um, uh, recent match. Um, entertaining. Um, it was interesting. I was, I was watching it and I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. I, it, it didn't really do it for me. It was just like these two older guys who used to play really, really well. And I, don't, I, I don't want to see Waldner doing what he's doing now. Like, I want to see Waldner at his peak, at his prime. So, um, And he's looking pretty tubby now, poor Waldie. So he's been, a, he's been <laughs> in a good go.
0: place. I did see that, actually. Now you remind me, person uh, taking out uh, Waldner. So yeah if we can find a link I'll put that in the show notes for you. I also saw some I haven't checked it out but something about Waldner retiring. I mean I thought he retired a long time ago but maybe he's stopping playing in the Swedish League or something.
1: Ah that, yeah have to check that out
0: indeed. All right well uh, that wraps up the show now Alloys, we're not going to be here tomorrow which people are going to be devastated about because tomorrow's Friday and that's normally Friday Funnies. Like you're just going to have to wait an extra week. Um, I reckon, I reckon we, our next show is back on Tuesday. I reckon we can do Tuesday funnies. Tuesday funnies. Maybe. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll have a think about that. So, yeah. So, uh, as Allo I said, we're back on Tuesday. So have a great weekend. Uh, lots of table tennis, try out the pre point routine and, uh, you got to stick with it for a while because it takes a while for you to develop it, get it right and then it'll help you in big points. Um, so thanks everyone for watching. Check out pingskills.com and thank you Alloys. Thank
1: you Jeffrey and we'll we'll we, we, we will see you on Tuesday. Bye.